You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunkin' With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Monday night. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is the post-game podcast today about the Wolves' loss to the Pelicans on Monday night. First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, you can listen to Lockdown Wolves. It's free and available on all platforms, including YouTube now, as well as, of course, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app, uh, free and available everywhere. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. The Wolves lost the Pelicans on Monday after beating them Saturday. Both games were ugly. Remember, this is the Pelicans team, no Zion Williamson, no Josh Hart in either game. So down two starters, down a superstar, just Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas and, you know, a handful of good rotation guys, but uh, not a team the Wolves should be failing to score 100 points against twice. Uh, so we're going to talk all about this game, how that happened, key takeaways, individual studs and duds, all that's on the show today. Um, and that's that's what we'll do. And then look ahead to the rest of the week and hopefully better days ahead. It's amazing how fast the tune can change around a team. So let's talk about the game first, what happened, and then get into some of the major kind of overarching takeaways from this thing. So this has been a theme outside of... Uh, uh, Really, well, actually, no, all three games so far this year have gotten off to really rough starts for the Timberwolves offensively. Um, the offense was so rough early on. They were missing a lot of open shots. Uh, the Pelicans were also missing some open shots. But the Wolves actually, early in the game, the defensive rotations were pretty crisp. If you go back and rewatch the first several possessions of the game, both teams were struggling to score. The Timberwolves were right on their defensive rotations. The low man was stepping up. The, they were getting uh, the rotations correct on the perimeter and were, for the most part, Playing solid defense. The problem was the offense didn't come along. Um, to make matters worse, the officiating was, we'll call it spotty at best in the first quarter. And I want to be clear, if you've listened to this podcast regularly, this is year three I've been doing the show, and I don't complain about officials. Uh, maybe a couple times a year, I'll even mention the officiating in a given game. And I'm not about to spend this podcast complaining about officials. I will, I will call it as I see it. And the officiating in the first quarter was poor. It was. Um, Towns was whistled for a, uh, I mean, it was a blocking foul. He did the dumb dig your heels in in transition thing and try and draw a charge, except for he didn't actually try and draw the charge. He just kind of got in Valanciunas's way. He got called for a blocking foul. His second call was bogus on a, on a, it was an offensive foul call on an allegedly moving screen. He had already been called for a technical at this point in the game on a, a, a separate play, a non-call on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, and so he had already had a technical, but after this play, Chris Finch got a technical. It was a bad call. It just was. And Towns and Valanciunas were getting after it all night. Both played well in this game. We'll talk more about that later. The officiating in the first quarter was not good. I actually think for the rest of the game, it wasn't terrible. There were a couple of bad ones late. Um, but that was not clearly why the Wolves lost this game. But I'm just saying what happened in the first quarter. That's what happened. The second call on Towns was bad at that point. Um, of Towns fouls so far this season in nine quarters of play, the first two games plus the first quarter on Monday night, he'd been called for six offensive fouls, which is just insane. Um, and we've talked about this. 
I think Jim Peterson mentioned it on the on the broadcast the other, I think on Saturday, that something like 27% of Town's personal foul calls have been last season were offensive fouls, which is unheard of. Uh, but at any rate, that happened. Towns is out due to foul trouble. The Wolves at that point, it was kind of a, roughly, it was an even game, right? They were trading buckets back and forth. And then from that point forward, the Wolves kind of fell behind. They were down six at the end of the first quarter. They shot 23.1% from the field in the first quarter. I was thinking that'd be the low point. It wasn't really. The second quarter wasn't much better. The defense was actually much worse in the second. And that's when the Pelicans actually started missing a number of open shots. And the Wolves were down by 11 at halftime, 54-43. They barely managed to get out of the 30s by halftime, the Timberwolves did. At the half, Towns' stat line looks great. Uh, 16 points, eight rebounds, two assists. Uh, He only shot four of 14, but he had just the one turnover. Um... Patrick Beverly had seven points in only 11 minutes. He was actually the second leading scorer on the team. At halftime, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards had combined to shoot one of 14. Ant was 0 of 6 from the floor, had zero points at halftime, and uh, the Wolves were down 11. As a team, they were shooting 25.6% at halftime, 25% on threes. They were, thankfully, 15 of 19 at the line, um, which is basically, I mean, it is what kept them in this game, which, by the way, 19 free throws in the first half. They only managed eight in the second half. Uh, So... I mean, that goes to show the number of jump shots. And and again, another thing I talk about in this podcast, I'm not a fan of, hey, they're taking too many jumpers. They need to get inside. The, I mean, that's it's the NBA today, right? You shoot three-pointers. Three-pointers are worth more than two-pointers, right? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's an issue that they shot 53s. The issue is that they didn't get to the free throw line more often late in the game when they were struggling to make to, to make shots from anywhere on the floor. And just get into the paint. And Edwards did this. We'll talk about the third quarter here in a second. He started to do that. And then suddenly it went away in the fourth quarter. The third quarter, things things went from bad to worse. They were down 11 at halftime. It was quickly a 21-point deficit, not even halfway through the quarter. Finch calls a timeout. They come out. Anthony Edwards goes on a quick run of his own. The Wolves go on a 7-0 run. And then Edwards just completely goes off. He scores 21 points in the third quarter uh, on, I believe, his 8 of 13 shooting. He had a couple of nasty step-back threes, one monster dunk, a couple of tough shots in the paint. Um, still somehow wasn't really consistently getting to the free throw line, but a fantastic third quarter for Ant. And don't forget, Towns actually got in the mix a little bit. It's easy to look at his numbers and say, oh, he had a couple of garbage time buckets when the Wolves were effectively garbage time when they were down multiple possessions of the final minutes. Sure. But he was their best player by far in the first half and not far behind Ant and what he was doing defensively and a couple of key buckets on the offensive end in the third quarter, the Wolves got to within four and ended up being a six point deficit at, uh, or excuse me, seven points going to the fourth quarter. The Wolves got it down to four again, right away with a three pointer from Patrick Beverly in the fourth the fourth quarter, though, started with the Wolves' rotation of Jordan McLaughlin, Patrick Beverly, Torian Prince, Jared Vanderbilt, and Nas Reed on the floor. It only lasted a couple of minutes, but it was a curious choice by Chris Finch. We'll talk more about that in a little bit to start the fourth quarter with none of Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, or D'Angelo Russell on the floor. Um, and, you know, granted, well, we'll talk more about D'Lo later as well. Uh, trust me. But an interesting lineup to start the quarter. Nonetheless, the Wolves quickly fell behind by double digits again. They had it down to a couple of possessions late, but the offense was just horrible. Um, and this is this is unfortunately a theme we've now seen consistently for a huge part of the first three games. I know they dropped over 120 against the Rockets, but it wasn't easy sledding against a bad team for much of the game. And the last two games against the Pelicans, the vast majority uh, of these last two games, the vast majority of minutes over these last two games have been really, really bad in terms of the Wolves offense, both in the half court and in transition, which is shocking. Um, so I want to get into that as part of the key takeaways next. And and, and so there's, there's really nothing worth talking about in the final minutes. The Wolves were still, it was double digits. It was like 12 points with four minutes left. And, and what I want to get into is 
exactly what happened in the final few minutes was the slog of an offense that the Wolves put forward. Um, and so there's no reason to break that down any further. It was ugly at the end of the game. Um, okay. So we're going to do that. That's one of our key takeaways. I want to do that here in just a second. First though, Let's talk about our friends over at DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and maybe you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com, compatible device required and content varies by package. Okay, let's talk key takeaways from this one. Um, let's just talk about the offense. I mean, that's that's the biggest one, right? Typically, I do three. This is kind of like, this is kind of one and two. Um, the Timberwolves offense continues to be abysmal. I talked quite a bit about this, a little bit on Monday's show, but also the postgame pod over the weekend that posted late Saturday. Um, the offense is just, just, just they're not really running much. Um, first, let's talk about transition. Uh, there were a couple of points in this game where it was really evident. And this was even part of, as the Wolves were making a comeback, there were some issues late in the third, early fourth. The Wolves were actually getting steals defensively, which they didn't do a whole lot early in the game. It's, it's something they did, did a ton of. I talked about this Monday. The Wolves led the league in steals per game through the first you know week of the season, through Sunday's games, or through Saturday's games, I guess, through the Wolves' first two games. They led the league in steals per game. Not a lot of that was happening early. The Wolves were finally getting out in transition, getting stops defensively, turning the Pelicans over. And then their transition offense was just terrible. The spacing thing. And this is what's so mind-boggling. I understand the half-court offense taking a minute to get itself together. Uh, the Wolves, I, I mean, nobody should fault Chris Finch for focusing almost entirely on defense in training camp. And he said this in the media, that that was the focus in training camp. They've spent very little time on offense. He admitted it. He said, you know, basically it's defensible, right? You have three outstanding offensive players in Towns, Edwards, and Russell. They are. They're, no matter what you think of Delo's defense, he's outstandingly talented offensively. Um, and so are Towns and Edwards. You wouldn't think that, and Malik Beasley, um, the way this team played offense, for the most part, went healthy last year, especially transition. Transition offense, I mean, I understand that reps are important, and that's, I think, what goes into this, right? Repetitions of doing this in live game action is going to make them better and better and better. That's obvious. But like, I mean, middle school teams practice three-man weaves to, to practice spacing and transition, right? To practice timing, spacing, um, things that are really, really elementary. And, and I'm not suggesting that there aren't other factors, but like uh, the fact that the Wolves can run a break where it's like, you know, I, I can't remember the exact example. I think it was like D'Lo and Beasley and Edwards was on the wing. And then Jade McDaniels kind of got caught up, like Edwards stopped on the wing instead of go into the corner and McDaniels kind of ran up his back and Beasley, like for whatever reason, kind of took an angle towards the elbow and D'Lo was down the middle of the court. There's nobody on the left side of the floor. It, it just, things like that um, are shocking to me because these guys are so talented. Malik Beasley's fantastic in transition. We know Edwards is. Towns is outstanding in transition for a big man. They have so much talent and this should be the easiest thing is getting out and running, spacing the floor, and then transitioning into a secondary, into the secondary break Floor balance is, again, not that challenging of a concept, right? Everybody should fill their lane. You should space out and make sure that you have reasonable floor balance to score in the secondary break if you can't get something initially. For whatever reason, 
for as hard as the Wolves have played for the most part outside of, you know, a stretch here in this game, they've played hard for the first three games. It's not a lack of effort. It's not like guys aren't running the floor, but the secondary break has been non-existent as well. And then that spills into the half court issues, right? Scoring after the other team has scored, you know, dribbling the ball up the court in a, in a half court situation. Um, but that's what you're in after if the secondary, if the fast break fails and the secondary break fails, you've still got the ball. You got to get into something. And too often it was kind of stand around and shoot a three or maybe run a token pick and roll and, uh, you know, get a shot that way. There just was no rhythm to the offense. Um, I talked a little bit the other day about we, we've seen very little of the horn sets where the Wolves will place players at both elbows and run dribble handoffs and, and you know, pin downs and various different actions off of a, a horn set. We saw a ton of this last year and Chris Finch took over. Hardly saw any of it so far the first two games. It, we saw a little in the first half, and I think it was Towns that got a three-point attempt off of it. Um, and it, it's just so smooth. With It doesn't really matter who the third guy is. I mean, the Wolves ran it last year with Josh Kogi. They ran it with Ricky Rubio, with both those guys at the elbow. The Wolves ran it with Towns and, and Edwards. I, I, now I actually can't remember who the third player was in the set. It might have been D'Lo. Um, it doesn't matter who your third player is. When two of them are Towns and Edwards, you can run sets off of that. And as long as they can set a screen and, and it works with the Kogi, that's one way to to kind of hide him, uh, hide him in plain sight, if you will, when he's on the floor. We'll talk more about a Kogi later as well in Studs and Duds, spoiler alert. Um, but those sorts of sets, like where are they late in the game when this team is needing a bucket? You know, under Ryan Saunders, it was the complicated offense early and then it was just pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, deal isolation, deal isolation. That was the crunch time offense. And that was really frustrating. Finch, late last year, it was a lot of horn sets. It was a lot of semi-creative stuff. It was a lot of letting Ant take over and play D'Lo off the ball. We did not see that in this game. And I get that D'Lo hit the two big shots on Saturday's game, but he's been terrible the last two games overall. We'll talk more about him later. Um, so why not give why not give that opportunity to Ant put the ball in his hands? And he did a little, and I'm not solely like in no way am I blaming this on Finch. I don't want to jump to I don't want to I don't want to jump there. Uh, but the offense is just, it's obviously a work in progress. And again, I understand the half court being a work in progress. It needs to be, or, or it makes sense for it to be for a team that was so bad defensively last year to spend all of their energy on, on defense. Um, that's really important. The offense will come, but the transition stuff has been so ugly and all they needed to do was make a few more buckets in transition and they probably win this game. I mean, the Pelicans are not good without Zion Williamson. They're just not good. And and yeah, Brand, you know, credit to Brandon Ingram. He had a good game. The Wolves couldn't stop him late. Actually, the Wolves perimeter defense got worse and worse as the game went on. Um, but this is a game that was still winnable. If you just get a few more transition buckets, knock a couple more open shots down, uh, you know, it's just very frustrating that this thing came down to just not being able to run to run simple fast break offense and, you know, secondary breaks, uh, secondary break offense as well. Um, the other thing that I thought was notable, and again, this is, this is, I guess this segment has turned into at least right now, it's the Chris Finch segment. Uh, and then the, the last segment is going to be placing a lot of blame directly on the players and studs and duds. Uh, but the weird rotations in this one, um, Torian Prince didn't see the floor until like midway through almost midway through the second quarter. Jordan McLaughlin saw the floor in the first quarter, which is fine. Um, but then you look at the minutes totals when it's all said and done and Prince Vanderbilt and Nas Reed each played less than 10 minutes in this game. Jordan McLaughlin only played 11. So you had, uh, and Josh Kogan only played 11. So you had six guys who all played 20 or more minutes and you know, the Wolves were playing catch up. I get why Ant and Cap both had 40 minutes played and also why Dilo only played 30 because he was really struggling again in this game. 
but I think some of that third quarter comeback, you know, you could have gone with a little bit of Vando, a little bit of Torian Prince earlier because Jade McDaniels actually was not outstanding defensively in this game. He had some good plays, but he was beat off the dribble a little bit too often. And it's one of the criticisms I had of him last, last year. And people are so excited about Jade McDaniels and they should be. I think he, he had such a great game against the Rockets on Wednesday, but this was one of those games where he was just a half step slow on the perimeter and was getting really kind of getting, uh, getting blown by, by Brandon Ingram. Um, Ingram had 27 on 11 of 21 and did a lot of his damage late in this game. The Wolves did a great job on him uh, for the most part, I know he scored 30 on Saturday, but he had seven turnovers and and the Wolves made life difficult. This was a lot easier for Ingram, especially late in the game when this was still a contest, right? The Wolves were still in this thing late and uh, Minnesota really struggled to contain him. So I, part of that is on the rotations. I think Torian Prince needs a little bit more run, uh, which I never thought I would say, uh, but, but I, I do think he needs a little more run. Vando, uh, he was ineffective in his nine minutes. He didn't do anything, which doesn't seem like Vanderbilt. He had no rebounds, no steals, no blocks, and he had a bad turnover on offense. But um, this is the sort of game where like his energy, I mean, you're not scoring anyway, right? The Wolves scored 98 points and they scored, what, 96, I think, in the win on Saturday. You might as well put some more energy out there uh, in the form of Jared Vanderbilt. So I, you know, Malik Beasley, it's not like he was, I understand searching for offense, but it's not like anything was clicking with him. And to this point in Finch's coaching career, he's been the guy who like, he's not just going to go with, with, you know, he's not necessarily going to go by the book. He's going to go by feel. He's going to go by matchups. And, um, this was kind of an interesting one for me. And I'm not by, again, by any means, I'm not pulling the fire alarm. I think Chris Finch is fantastic. I really like what the Wolves have done overall this year in terms of defensive scheme and and all that stuff. And I, I think the offense will be fine in the long run. I said that multiple times the last couple of shows. But in this one, uh, the offense was bad um, and uh, and the rotations were weird, I guess, are, are two of the big takeaways. Last thing, and this is, this is again, kind of like the sky's kind of falling, but not really. Um, there was some bad luck here. I mean, again, the early officiating, the way Valanchunas is somehow officiated the way that he is, is shocking to me. Um, and then also it just really felt like there were a lot of shots just kind of hanging on the rim in and out. The Wolves got a lot of that in this game. Um, and I also noted Wednesday and Saturday, it felt like the Wolves had some good roles too. Uh, they had a lot of bad ones in this one. Anthony Edwards missed a couple layups. He missed an easy mid-range, wide open mid-range jumper. There was some bad luck involved in this one. And, and that's okay to say, I actually think that that's more to blame than, than if we're putting blame on weird things, then that's more to blame than the actual, than the officiating was. Um, one last thing on the, on towns and the way he's officiated. Uh, I think, I think I can say the wolves did not lose because of the officials. Right. And I could also say that towns is not fairly officiated. And I could also say that Towns needs to stop the thing that he's always done, the wailing, the complaining, the or I should say flailing, not wailing, but I guess both work. The flailing, the complaining, the 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 demonstrative stuff that he does, not always to the official, but you know, the the scene that he makes. All these things can be true. I 100 percent agree that Towns is not officiated fairly the way that the Joel Embiid's and the Nikola Jokic's and the other bigs uh, in the NBA, the other superstar bigs are officiated. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know if it's because he has more finesse to his game, but it's not like he doesn't go down and play in the post. It's not like he doesn't rebound the ball. It's not like he doesn't do dirty work. I don't get it. Um, and maybe it's because of the demonstrative stuff, which isn't, you know, I understand that human nature and all, it's not fair for the officials to officiate him differently, but I think that they do. I also think he's got to cool it a little bit. And I also think, you know, Jim Peterson does a good job talking about this in Valley sports North that, that towns has to, he's got to cool it. 
um, in some of those situations because he gets himself out of control. You can almost, if you watch enough Wolves games, you can see what's going to happen next. He's going to play point guard for a play and and dribble the ball off a teammate's leg or something crazy. And then he's going to come down and commit a silly foul on the defensive end, or he'll run somebody over for an offensive foul. I mean, he gets himself out of control and that's an issue. I also think that the officials don't officiate him the same way they officiate other players. And I don't get it. I wish someone would explain it. Um, hopefully if the wolves start winning some games and I know we've said this for a long time, but if the wolves win games more consistently, maybe they'll get the benefit of the doubt on these whistles that allegedly that, you know, the good teams allegedly are not officiated differently, but we'll see. Um, those are my two cents on the officiating. Okay. I want to do individual studs and duds next. First though, let's talk about betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball to football, baseball, postseason to NHL, boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive your bonus. Let's also talk about rockauto.com. This episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why do often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil to even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and talk individual studs and duds. So for some games, if you're a regular listener, I don't always get, I don't always do more than one dud. Um, there was a game earlier this year already. I did that. I, I try to keep the studs to three. This one, I went three and three, three studs, three duds for me in this one. Um, and, and honestly, like, it's kind of hard to pick studs because of how sloppy the Wolves as a team played. And, you know, for as amazing as Cat's first quarter and, and parts of his third quarter were, and as awesome as Ant's third quarter was, the rest of the game, neither of those guys were outstanding. But um, they both had nice lines, and they were both the only reason why the Wolves were even in shouting distance, you know, much less a couple of possessions late in the game. So Carl Anthony Towns gets one. This is in no particular order. He gets one. He's got a line of 32, 14, and seven with two steals, two blocks, only three turnovers in 40 minutes. Looks nice. 10 of 24 shooting. Uh, we can handle that. Four of 10 on threes is great. Eight of eight at the free throw line. Very good. Um, he should have gotten there one or two more times. Yes, the 14 rebounds are nice, but when you stack them up against Jonas Valanciunas is 23. Not great. I know, by the way, I know Valanciunas ended up with 22 and 23, but Towns wasn't bad on him defensively. 
uh, he didn't get called, I don't think, for any fouls. I think one, late in the game, he got called for a per- Yeah, he did, because that was the play when Valanciunas elbowed him, uh, elbowed to clear clear space, and then turned, and I can't remember, I think he hooked him as he turned, um, and then Towns got called for the foul, and it was an and one. Besides that, Towns was not called for any fouls guarding Valanciunas on offense, um, at, with, with the ball, on the ball. Um, and I actually thought he did really good when Valanciunas faced up, Towns gave him a little space. He let him get off a couple of mid-range jumpers, but he made life difficult for him when he got closer to the rim. Valanciunas shot seven of 18. I mean, you can live with that. You knew he was going to get 20 points. He always plays the Wolves stuff. And uh, outside of Towns, the Wolves don't have depth. I mean, Nas Reed can't handle Jonas Valanciunas. Towns did a pretty good job. It was really the Wolves as a whole that weren't rebounding. I didn't talk about this in key takeaways, but they got out-rebounded 60 to 41 in this game. A minus 19 after getting out-rebounded, I think it was by it might've been more than that, 20, 21 or something like that on Saturday in the loss to the Pelicans. Valanciunas is a monster on the glass and outside of towns, the Wolves don't have anyone besides Jared Vanderbilt, who only played nine minutes that has the ability to rebound uh, it, it, you know, in the same neighborhood as Valanciunas, which by the way, I guess if I could better articulate what I said earlier about Finch's rotations and the lack of Vanderbilt minutes, there's your reason why, not just the energy, but because he's by far the second best rebounder on the Timberwolves next to Towns and pound for pound, probably a better rebounder than Towns. So the the heavy McDaniels minutes when he struggled to contain Ingram anyway, and only was contributing, you know, one of five shooting on offense, when you could give those minutes to Jared Vanderbilt, have him play the four and at least put a body on Valanciunas. I know he's nowhere near as big as Valanciunas, but he's going to rebound better than McDaniels in his two rebounds or two rebounds in 33 minutes. Um, that to me would have been the better move uh, if you're Finch. But at any rate, Towns gets the Towns gets the stud here for his for his 32, 14, and seven, two steals, two blocks. I know he had a couple of easy garbage time buckets. I can already hear the 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 the. the I guess this is now a straw man thing, but the folks that don't like. Uh, Towns, for whatever reason, saying he picked up some easy buckets at the end. Sure, but he picked up a lot of difficult buckets early and in the third quarter when the Wolves got to back to within a couple of possessions. It's not his fault they weren't getting him the ball in the fourth quarter. He had one open three he should have made. But up until this was a multi-possession game in the final minutes, he was 0 of 2 in the fourth quarter. He just didn't, he shot the ball twice. Um, and that's not necessarily Towns' fault. Um, Anthony Edwards gets another stud, uh, gets uh, gets one of the other studs in this game, 28 points, nine rebounds, three assists and a steal, 10 of 23 shooting four of 11 on threes, four of four from the line. He was O of six at halftime, including O four on threes. Couldn't buy a bucket, missed a couple of easy shots. He normally makes was on fire in the third. And then uh, was a lot quieter again in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I mean, you take the, the game as a whole, I, I mean, it's fine, right? I mean, it was a fine, the first half was obviously abysmal, but he was so good in the third quarter. He was essentially, him and Towns were the reasons the Wolves had a chance at the end. And if I have to pick a third stud, it's gotta be Patrick Beverly. He's the only other player that scored in double figures in this game for the Wolves. 13 points and four of six shooting. Four of five on threes, uh, was just killing it. Uh, corner threes in this game. Two rebounds, two assists, a steal and a block, zero turnovers in 20 minutes. He's been really good in his two games in a Timberwolves uniform. All right, duds. Going to lead this one off with a really easy one. That's D'Angelo Russell. Uh, nine points, three of 14 shooting, one of eight outside the arc, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block, two turnovers, and was a uh, was a minus 12 in 30 minutes. Um, D'Lo was really bad for three and a half quarters on Saturday. He was bad for four quarters on Monday. I mean, for, for seven and a half out of the last eight quarters, he's been arguably the worst player on the floor for the Wolves. Um, I talked on Monday's show. Are, now are, are fun with small sample size statistics 
segment that Russell was the only player besides the guys who played garbage time against the Rockets last Wednesday and haven't played otherwise. The only player on the roster with a win shares per 48 of below a 0.1, right? And he was a zero. There's a whole, there's a hundred numbers in between there, between the zero and the 0.1. And he didn't have any of them. He was a zero. He's going to be a negative after this game. This was a a terrible performance for D'Lo. His decision-making is off. Uh, He's not He's not playing in the flow of the offense. The Wolves have talked. Finch has talked about getting him post-touches. That hasn't happened, but maybe once, I think, so far this season. Um, D'Lo's just not playing well right now. He he joked on Saturday he forgot how to play basketball in that game uh, for three quarters. He didn't look like he knew what he was doing for four quarters on Monday, quite frankly. Um, I'm not one to to sit here and... I, like I think D'Lo's actually a good fit for this team. I think he's a solid player. I think he's a good player. I've talked before. He's not a max player. Fine. But he's a good player, and this is not, he's not playing well right now, I think is, is the easiest and simplest way to put it. So he gets a dud for this game, um, and I'm going to pick two more because this was ugly. Malik Beasley gets one. You feel a little bit for him because he started to play well on Saturday. The Wolves are obviously trying to get him into a rhythm off the bench. He ended up playing 29 minutes, so he was fifth on the team in minutes in this game. But he had five points on one of eight shooting, one of seven outside the arc, a couple of rebounds and a steal in this one. But he hit a couple, tried a couple of threes that were not in rhythm. And the Wolves, there was one kind of in the midst of Ant's run in the third quarter where it was kind of like you could feel that Beasley wanted to get in on stuff and wanted to be part of this run. Didn't work. Uh, it was a bad shot. And there were there was more than one of those in this game for him. Just not a good performance from Bees. Again, five points on one of eight shooting is not what you want from the guy who's supposed to be your sixth man. And uh, the final dud for me in this one is uh, Josh Kogi. He started again, played just 11 minutes, and for the second straight game, came out of the locker room in the third quarter and was really had a tough time. Um, he had to come out of the game at that after the Wolves were down 21. Kogi was yanked and didn't come back in the rest of the game. Just did not look... He, he looked early in the game like he wanted to get involved offensively, which is not... You know, Ant, Ant passed up a semi-contested three for a wide-open Josh Kogi three. You take the Ant three 10 times out of 10. I understand the thought process for Ant, like open guy passing the I appreciate that that's his thought process. But Josh Okoge, it just you don't want him shooting the ball. He's one of four at the free throw line. He was a little too aggressive offensively. He needs to know his role. I said before the season, I didn't think there was any way he would start on this team. I don't think it's very much longer he's in the starting lineup. He's just not a starting caliber player. He's a really good energy guy. He is a rotation player on a playoff team. Even if he doesn't start, he's probably the eighth or ninth guy on this team, and he'll get his minutes. He'll play 12, 15, 16 minutes a game. But he's not a starter if you're going to score 100 points a game as an NBA team and go to the playoffs. It just There isn't enough there offensively. I love the guy. I just don't think he starts on this team long term. He gets the rare third dud in today's show. Okay, that's all I want to talk about for this one. Hopefully Wednesday's Wednesday's game is a different story. Of course, that's at Milwaukee, so it's uh, it's about to get a whole lot tougher for the Timberwolves. Um, you know, to this point, I mean, Milwaukee's three and one. I mean, they're they're the best team in the NBA again. They've already beaten the Nets easily in opening night. They did get blown out by the Heat on the road, but then they've beaten the Spurs and Pacers on the road. So they come back home now. This is just their second home game, and it's a one game road trip for Minnesota. They're in Milwaukee for Wednesday's game. And uh, after that, the Timberwolves don't play again until Saturday. They get another pair of off days following the Wednesday game, the rare back-to-back weeks with no games on Friday. And then they play Denver at home on Saturday. So Milwaukee and Denver the rest of this week. Giannis, Jokic, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully the Towns can stay out of foul trouble 
and uh, we'll get some good matchups here in these games. So if you're not already following or subscribed to the show, please do so. Uh, if you are, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, the show is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two E's, C-K-E-N. And if you listen on Apple, please help us out with a positive review there or on YouTube. That definitely helps us out, helps get us in front of more folks, more eyes and ears. Uh, and it's definitely, definitely appreciated. Um, also, one last reminder that Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. That's all I have for you today. We'll be back with the show on Wednesday, previewing Wolves Bucks. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.